Welcome to a special In the Money Players podcast. This is for New York Bread Memorial Day Showcase Day. I never really remember exactly what the name of this card is, but uh, it's a terrific exhibition, of course, of New York breads. We'd like to thank our good friends at the New York Thoroughbred Breeders, specifically Naja Thompson, Executive Director of NYTB for his participation and support. New York Thoroughbred Breeders is not only the official authorized representative of the New York Bread Program and Breeders in New York, but you can also become a member and enjoy benefits such as the monthly copy of the New York Breeder Magazine and free general admission entrance to any Naira racetrack. Visit nytbreeders.org slash membership to learn more. When wagering on Monday's all New York Bread card, please know that no ADW does more to support the New York Bread Program than Naira Bets. Right now you can join Naira Bets for a $25 free bet plus $200 deposit match. Visit NairaBets.com. And joining me, of course, this is Nick Tamaro hosting you on this podcast as somebody who probably has spent a great deal of time sitting around reading his monthly copy of the New York Breeder Magazine, the one and only Andy Serling, Senior Racing Analyst of the New York Racing Association. You read that promo so well. Seriously, before we can get you on Talking Horses, I'm going to have you read all the promos. I'm, I'm a promo reader. I don't, you know, I told Travis, I told our mutual friend Travis Stone some years ago during my first derby experience with him, he was complaining about all the, the ads he had to read. I said, why don't you let me read some ads? I said, I'm, you know, I might be good at it as long as nobody has to see me. I, I needed a, I needed a nap listening to all the stuff that Travis was reading on Derby Day. I, oh my I, God. I oh my God. It's insane. If you're not there, you probably haven't muted. You might. If you're there, it's, it's crazy. It, it is incredible and it is it's endless right i mean it takes him a, a tremendous amount of time not only to get through all of those he's got all those races to call it's uh it's a pretty crazy pretty crazy scene well it won't be quite as big a scene on monday at belmont park but it'll still be excellent with some terrific new york red racing coming forward and you know andy you and i could go on and on about the quality of the new york red program and how much it's improved over the years but it's always fun to showcase these horses Oh yeah, no, I agree. And listen, I, I go way back. In the, I go back to the days of what he's doing for Talouette back in the seventies. But a lot of good New York bets over the years. Very good. No doubt. I guess the barometer by which we judge most of, uh, or the the, the the barometer for quality state bread racing is how they fare against Open Company. And obviously, we've seen New York breads really excel against Open Company in recent years. So we're certainly going to be talking about some horses that have had Open Company success and some that have become state bread stars, but let's dig right into this uh, card that's going to begin as usual at 1 p.m. Eastern time on Monday with the Bowery, a stake race kicking things off. And this is a field that's on the smaller side, should also feature a very, very heavy favorite in the Ford Downtown Mischief. Did you think there was any beating this Linda Rice trainee or is uh, is this just the spot for her? You think she'll be favored over Miracle? It would, I I do, it would help with yeah. the morning line. But I, I'm actually I, doing I, that right now. I thought Miracle. Maybe you're right. Uh, yeah, I thought Miracle with the open company race. I mean, I know that she had run The verdict is seven to five on Downtown Mischief, nine to five Miracle. Yeah, I'm not going to put all my eggs in the basket of the uh, morning line maker uh, for the last next two days, but we'll see. I mean, I, I prefer Miracle. Uh, I think the concern is that she's going to have to probably rate here. They're going to look for prompt, but knowing Irad, he'll probably won't be that aggressive and he probably wants to get outside of downtown mischief and i do think there's a question with downtown mischief whether she gets better with more distance because she really didn't run terribly but she didn't run great in a mile last time out and i wonder if you know maybe the seven furlongs helps miracle a little bit it hurts her a little bit i i'll be surprised if miracle's a second choice but i prefer her if somebody else wins i'll be very surprised i don't know that you would 
Uh, oh, well, that, on that topic, I'll be very surprised if somebody else wins. My problem with Miracle was she was really, really bad last time. And Todd Pletcher versus usually don't run like that in Florida. She was, but, you know, she kind of lost to the break. She didn't break that well. She ended up wide, out of position the whole way. And I, I hear you. I, I wouldn't have made her the favorite in there because she could have trouble making the lead. So I was a little surprised. I mean, the one thing is, are she really going to be favored showing a second-place finish to the Kentucky Oaks winner two back? I mean, using that logic, of course, it would be difficult to imagine she's not favored. The problem is that Downtown Mischief has just taken an an enormous amount of money in her last three starts off of that maiden win, where it seemed like everybody got annoyed that they missed out, and so they had to double and triple down. But, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, it's probably probably a great cost. I will have the I ride money. Certainly, he drives the market more than anybody any any rider I've seen in years. Ever. But uh, it's Ramon. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it felt like Ramon. I guess they both win at a pretty pretty high rate. But anyway, that's the opener, the Bowery. That is the first of the stakes races on the card. Race three is the next stake race. This is the critical eye for older fillies and mares going uh, a mile and a sixteenth on the main track. And I thought this was a fun bunch that we got together. It really doesn't look as if there's a you know, a standout by any means. Classy Edition is going to be the favorite, but I'm not sure how much I want to take her banking on her getting back to, to good Florida form from the winter. I, I hear you on that. I mean, obviously her Florida form sticks out like a sore thumb in her PPs. Um, I don't think she's going to be the seven to five morning line. She is. I don't see how she's seven to five and Bendy Valentine is five to two. I don't think the morning line maker um, is taking into account Irad Ortiz factor. And this horse has two mid 90, 90 buyers, and then she didn't run well in a grade one. She's going to be four to five in this race. Now, she hopped up at the start last time, was bumped a little bit, she's a little wide, she's out of position, but she was bad. There's no doubt about it. And there's obviously a question of whether or not she can bring that Florida form. But she's also got some pretty good races overall. Now, she did finish behind Betty Valentine the one time they met. I still think she's going to be tough in here. And do you really trust Venti Valentine? I know she's run well off layoffs before, but she's so unreliable. He runs a good race and then just stinks for a while. And I just, I can't have any confidence in her. I think Classy Edition is going to be an overwhelming favorite, a likely winner here. Venti um, Valentine seems like the second likeliest winner, but I'll be surprised if Classy Edition doesn't win. I mean, you're going to say it's those in Florida are completely phony? No. No, That's no, they're not completely threat. phony. No. Right. No, I mean, the, the Royal Delta was a, I mean, look, she had a soft trip, but she ran well. So, I mean, it's not as if she, I'm, I'm not going to spend an enormous amount of time poking holes in, in races where, where older females earn mid 90 buyers. So, you right. know, I don't think there's any, 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 you know, reasons about that. Probably with More than likely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless we get one of, of Venti Valentine's kind of one-off performances that she's put forth a couple of times, the determining factor with her is whether I need her. If I need her, then she's she's going to be absolutely nowhere. And if I'm off, then she'll run she'll run very well. I didn't I, I thought she was an easy bet against last time in the Bay Ridge because I thought she didn't run well in the Iroquois, and she ended up running very well. And the favorite was nowhere to be found. Who's back in this race as well? So um, yeah, Venti Valentine's kind of a tough one to tough one to figure at times, but uh, it does look like she'll have her hands full with Classy Edition, no doubt about that. Good to see those two get together. It looks like it'll be an honestly run race from a pace perspective as well with a letter inspire you in there to probably get the lead in classy edition might just ride shotgun early. The fourth race is the Mike Lee. And uh, of course have to mention looms boldly for our friends of the network, uh, 10 strike racing. And he is a horse that will likely be pushed hard to get to the front end in here. What did you think of this Mike Lee? 
Well, I'm looking at the morning line. I, I picked Maker's Candy. Is she really going to be the favorite in here? Um, maybe. Maybe maybe, maybe, um, maybe a soft favorite. I Although Lifetime of Chance's last two races are tough to... It's, it's, yeah. it, it, I, would, I would have made Lifetime of Chance the favorite, but I don't think it's so cut and dry. I guess. Yeah, it's not completely cut and dry. And what's up, bro? Is going to take money because of Irad um, more than the eight to one he is now. Irad's not going to be eight to one unless this horse has three legs. Um, I don't trust Lifetime of Chance. Can he win? Yeah, but I, I'm going to focus playing against him. I, I got a little trouble buying that fig last time. That fig has East Coast girl improving in that effort. Do you really think she improved at six and a half furlongs? Because I don't. She's coming up a gold rail race. She's in a little bit later in the card, I think. Um, or she, he, with a, with a man, with a girl. It's an name. atrocious name. Yeah. Well, it's ridiculous. To, I mean, yeah. I don't understand that at all, frankly. But, um, yeah, the idea that he improved his figure eight points off the gold rail trip in his prior going longer seems extremely dubious. And I don't, this horse is a basically, in my opinion, a one number horse. And I don't trust him holding the form, holding the form away from Linda Rice. Uh, I think Maker's Canyon's going to be tough. Luke Foley's going to be in a little bit more of a dogfight. I know he ran well in the Damon Runyon, probably took advantage of a rail that was a bit of an advantage, not a huge advantage. I don't know that he's good enough. I thought Maker's Candy ran really well, obviously, three back. And I don't think his race was that bad. Dr. Kraft's not that bad. And I, I feel as though Maker's Candy might be dangerous. But Radio Red ran a big number last time. I'm not sure what to do with it, you know? I mean, you look at Pineapple Madison later, a little high for him, but Braciol finished third. Um, Braciol, whatever, got the right. Don't laugh. Um, when you start getting the Hebrew and Yiddish things wrong, I'll start laughing at you. Um, you know, there used to be a horse in New York named Lahayim, and the announcer called him El Shame. El Shame, that's pretty strong. Yeah, yeah. Before it was before Tom. Um, I'm going to use what's up, bro, a little bit in here, who I think is interesting, could get a right trip. And I guess one of the real questions is, how much do you trust Radio Red to run back to that big number? Where did it come from? Yeah, it's a great question. It also, you know, he's only got, had a couple of opportunities without Lasix, but you do get a little bit worried that he might be a horse that's a sure. little bit better getting Lasix, yeah. you know, with Lasix. Um, I, you know, the angle on Looms Boldly to me, and, and this is a horse that I've generally been critical of with Pete and everybody else because I thought that he was – a the beneficiary of circumstance in the Damon Runyon is the figure last time is too low. I mean, it, it should be adjusted upwards. The runbacks have all um, made it clear that that, yeah, it should be 10 points higher. Right. And, you know, at this point, the form is exposed enough for us to see, you know, where everybody should be. Thundarian got a 73 next time out and, um, and ran today and probably got somewhere in that range as well. And Heldish improved 12 points in his next start. So again, it should be, you know, in the neighborhood of 10 points higher. So we know what Luz Boldy's going to do. He's going to go to the lead and try and take him the distance. I don't know when push comes to shove if he'll quite be good enough, but I hope he's at least given the opportunity to do that. And the way Manny's ridden him would indicate that he definitely will. Um, I thought Maker's Candy was clearly the horse to beat. Every, I think he's going to have some company. Yeah, he's not going to get an easy lead. Do you like Maker's Candy too? I do. I do. I think he's a great fit for this race. And I, like you, uh, am always fond of cutbacks. And he feels like a horse that's really ideally suited to seven to eight furlongs around one turn, based on what we've seen so far. Even if things are low, there's an argument that the fig, the, as big as it was in the uh, Jeff Ruby Stakes, was low. That's yeah, a, that is a, a great point. Yep, Very he really great. didn't. Very tough race. No, I agree. 
I agree. Um, and he, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be a major player here. No question about it. The uh, next stake race is the sixth. This is the Mount Vernon for older females going a mile on the turf. And we get a lot of the uh, usual suspects back in this field. We generally see these horses run pretty frequently year in and year out. And uh, in this spot, what did you think we uh, we were in store for in the Mount Well, Vernon? you know that I'm, I always like to bet against Marvel Smaud. And, you know, she gets so overbet with Irad, the Irad Chad Brown factor. And while she's okay, and she's maybe a little better than I've given her credit for, she's gotten such soft trips when she's been effective that I'm just not a huge fan. And honestly, I think that Runaway Rumor has it, she's got a race under her belt. She ran well coming back. You cannot knock this trainer change. I'm not knocking Jorge Abreu. who's done a good job with her. But Horacio Depaz is terrific for what it's worth. And um, trainer switches on the turf. He's 5 for 21, um, 386 ROI. I think Runaway Rumor is the worst to beat in here. And I would use her in finest work. I'm a little worried about finest work's return race, but maybe she just totally needed the race. You have to be a little concerned about it. I mean, Sonura is the only new face in here, and she's really going to have to improve off the last. She had, not only did she have the easiest trip, the second place finisher obviously had a lousy trip. Yeah, totally agree. I think you made every good point in the race. My concern with finest work is, uh, I mean, obviously she ran poorly last time out. It gets considerably better. I just, I wonder if she got really good for a very brief period of time last summer into the fall, and that was it, because... She didn't really run very well in her final start of 2022, and she came back kind of dull. And and she, and believe me, I mean, she was very good in those final, you know, those starts. But at, I agree. At, uh, she may have just sort of peaked and not been there. Right away, Rumor, on the other hand, just consistently runs well. Well, and even when it looked like she was done in early 2022, she yep. finally got her act together in the second half of the year and, and really improved. I'm sure Jorge Abreu knew those horses were just rentals anyway. That trainer has certainly had his... Uh, Fair share of different trainers that he's used, but owner rather has had his fair share. I, I agree with you though. I thought she ran very well over plenty of grace. And I mean, presumably she'll step forward second off the layoff. It looks as if this race will be run honestly with some some no hope speed in there. So I don't think anybody will be disadvantaged by coming from off of it. And as you said, I mean the, the play you know, get position. Yeah, the play right. The play in these races has been to bet against Marvelous Maud. And you know, all yep. things considered, she's 0 for two against New York Reds in stakes races, so she gives you Gives you plenty of reason to do that once again, but a good uh, good and competitive running of the Mount Vernon that goes as race number six. That'll kick off the late pick five. Race number eight is the older male equivalent to the Mount Vernon. It's the Kingston at a mile and a 16th on the inner turf course. And, you know, we see some horses we've certainly gotten familiar with in the New York Red Ranks and a couple of new additions, including one from the aforementioned uh, Horacio de Paz. But obviously this race starts with City Man, who is a multiple stake winner in the New York Red uh, division. And uh, comes in here as what should be a pretty solid favorite. Yeah, he's he's way the worst to beat. I don't I don't see any reason to take a big stand against him. And I think he got a little bit. You know, the mile and eighth was really stretching it for him. I know he's won at it before, but it seems to be a little bit of a stretch. So he'll benefit from that race. And there's just no reason to take a big stand against him, in my opinion. He's a pretty consistent type that runs well almost every time he runs. I, I will say that Dakota Gold's last race was really good. I mean, he was three to four wide every inch of the way after breaking half slow. I thought he, he was never in good position in there, and I really thought he ran well. And you think about this rider change to IRAD, and it's an IRAD that's not going to be favored. I just don't know exactly where it came from because he was never really that good last year. I know he had some decent digs, but he had very soft trips in those races. So I'm, I, I just, I, if I completely trusted his last race and I thought he was going to run it back, I could put him on top. I just don't. 
And I'll tell you something. I, I don't think Jerry the Nipper is uh, is that bad either. And the fact that he showed the ability to rate, you know, a tepid pace last time. It's a huge feather in his cap. Uh, I, I, Jerry the Nipper's turf races are very, very solid. And, you know, you look at the City Man race he lost, got engaged in the pace. I don't think he ran that badly that day, the way it played out. He never gave up. The problem, I, I found some crazy stats. So Todd Pletcher, 120 to 240 days. You know, I like those four to eight-month layup for horses coming off almost exactly six-month layoffs in turf right. routes. He's four for 39 at Naira with a $1.13 ROIs, basically almost exactly 10%. Outside of Naira, he's 13 for 37 with an ROI over $2.50. So these horses that come back of layoffs and win for Todd, you know, in general, but they're not at Naira. And that concerns me a little bit with him if he's going to come back and run quite as well as they do. And I think probably the out-of-town stats are dominated by Gulfstream, where Todd does very, very well every year. So I worry about that a little, but I think Jerry Nipper's pretty good. Yeah, he's a hard read all in all because, I mean, you're right. His three turf races were all excellent. Arguably, the Ashley T. Cole was his best, in my opinion, because, as you mentioned, the pace yeah. was very strong in there. Um, it kind of came apart a little bit. City Man came from well off of it, but the second and third place finishers came from very deep in the pack. Um, City Man was, you know, not quite so far off of it, but uh, he's obviously a horse that's that's pretty exceptional. So, yeah, I, I thought, you know, I thought that he, he certainly made the race more interesting coming back off the layoff. I'm a little concerned that he might need one. But uh, but nonetheless, yeah, I mean, you right. have to take him seriously. Yeah, right. you know, something like a hot brown obviously has very good races, probably the best race of anybody here. But he has never really won in successful rating. He's only really been effective on the engine. Maybe he stalked a couple times and won. But it's got to be tough to even stalk here. This pace is so contentious. I think. Yeah, I mean, you really, and you have to imagine he's going to have to get used very hard from the outside to, to risk, you know, not losing too much ground. It's kind of funny. I mean, his, his 2022 was really, for the most part, very dull, other than winning a million dollar race. It was the fake mint millions. It was the fake Because he's in New York, exactly. he wasn't running for a million. He was running oh, for Oh, that's what? right. He was running for like, what, 600,000 probably? Yeah. It was, yeah. It was the so. mint 600,000. Yeah, exactly right. I guess it meant more than the Ashley T. Cole, which, you know, hey, it ended up banking quite a bit more money in that regard. But um, yeah, I mean, when he faced New York Reds, in fact, in this very race last year, he was four to five coming back off a layoff. And I think everybody, including me, assumed that he would just get an easy lead and, and kind of go on with it. But um, he didn't. And so now it's a situation where he is going to have to be used a lot harder, as you mentioned, from the outside, because you've got pace horses like Rinaldi who's obviously going to have one job, which is to go and get in the mix from the start. Call me Harry is a horse with plenty of speed and Citizen K will also be forwardly placed. So you're absolutely right. I mean, they're going to be, they're going to be rolling along here and where city man is positioned early um, will likely be dictated by that. But you can certainly count on Joel for the most part in these scenarios when, uh, when, when you're talking about a big pace. Yeah. All right. One more to go on this New York bread showcase. Real Day Edition, which goes as race number nine, the commentator. And I, I got to tell you, this reminded me of a commentator from years ago, which I, I can't remember. I can't remember who won. It was back in, gosh, I remember it being a 13-horse field. It was a huge field. And quite honestly, we don't really get big fields like this that often in these races. But when we do, it sure is fun. This is just a really terrific race. Yeah, I think, you know, there's, a, there's an important question early in the race is, do we think that Linda Rice is going to run Sheriff Diego? Because... She is a trainer that has a habit of scratching horses. And with Seafoam in the race, there's a potential pace situation between these two. 
if Sheriff Bianco comes out, doesn't it significantly affect the pace? Not that I yes, like Steve. It makes it. Like but I think it it might compromise some others. It might compromise Dr. Ardito a little bit, though he's really not that slow, right? Because, I, I mean, aren't Dr. Ardito and Ouster the two horses to beat here? Clearly, in my opinion. I mean, Dr. Ardito against New York Breds looks like he's probably just a, just a good bit better than the majority of them, especially now that he passed that test of winning a stake race. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he looks like he looks like the horse to beat to me on paper. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to discount Bankit. He actually had legitimate trouble last time. You probably watched the race. And, I mean, he really did get sandwiched between horses in the stretch. And when it happened, the race just sort of got away from him, and he was trying to re-rally at the end. So I can give him a little bit of a pass for that. I don't love him overall. He seems to have lost a step. And, I mean, isn't Ouster in unbelievably great form? I mean, do you, if, unless you don't trust him, I, I just think he's in tremendous form. He actually ran really well last time. I know Majority Carter's taking a step back, but he ran huge that day, and then he was pace compromised. He doesn't have to be that far out of the pace, and his form at Aqueduct was sensational. Yeah, I mean, I think Linda went to the well on Majority Carter a few, few too many times, yeah. um, and today he probably showed that that he doesn't doesn't have quite as much tread left on his tire. But yeah, I mean, the runner-up effort last time out, I remember seeing him in the in the overnight in a one other than it, and I thought to myself, why is he not waiting for some New York bred stakes? And I guess it was just to, to take an opportunity to win, you know, another relatively large purse. And he was his comp and he was compromised that, that day by the pace and, and you know, majority partner who you, I know you liked that day was, uh, was going to be impossible to be with the way that race unfolded. So I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to hold it against him that he finished second. Um, you mentioned Seafoam who, you know, has won some of these New York bred races. Obviously he's a, you know, and the connections would be the first to tell you he's a better horse around two turns. Um, he also probably isn't quite at Dr. Ardito or Ouster's level. He's lost a step, but I'm going to tell you something. I would not completely throw him out if uh, if they scratch the three horse in this race. If, if they scratch Sheriff Bianco, he could really be on a loose lead here. Who's going to run with him if Sheriff Bianco's not in here? No, I agree. Um, I, I, I totally agree. Um, and he, he's clear, right? You know, he's totally clear. A little more forward. I have another horse I wanted to ask you about. Is Curlin's wisdom not good enough? Because I thought he had a shot. Well, he's no fifteen to one shot. I can tell you that much because no. he's um, he's way too. He's got he's got numbers that are way too fast for that. And I mean, for goodness' sake, he lost the Empire Classic by a, less than a length last year. So is, obviously, is, that's the marquee race in this division. Is Shipsational one hundred and fifty to one? Because if Curlin's fifty, is 15, which Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I also I don't think Prince of Pharaohs is going to be anywhere near thirty to one. I don't think he has a chance, but oh. we know what's going on with you know with the way Rick Dutro horses are getting bad for good reason. And that's a number yeah, exactly. A little low, though. Though actually, time form agrees with buyer, so maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, my only, I I think that Ouster. I mean, I would use three in here, Doctor Ardito, Ouster, and a little, um, a little Curlin's wisdom. I could reevaluate it if they take the three out and maybe you see foam as like a, at least as a C, if not a B. Um, just because if he gets loose, something crazy could happen, you know? Agreed. I, I think that's the, you know, that's a scenario we can't account for right now, of course, but you'll, uh, you'll cover it in detail on the broadcast. And as you said, if Sheriff Bianco comes out, it becomes a vastly different race. I don't, you know, I don't know if there's another horse that you could point to that benefits probably as much as Seafoam. I think if you and I had our, our way you know, we would instruct the the connections of Ouster to put him very forward because he's probably capable of staying close and and you know being that he is capable of winning at a, at a longer distance, 
you know, if he's within a length and a half of the lead at the half mile pole, he certainly becomes pretty tough from there. But a lot of people aren't quite as wild about using speed as, uh, as maybe you or I would be. Well, we it's, it's clearly Dylan. Dylan Davis clearly needs to reevaluate his, his riding at this point because he's just taking speed horses out of the game. And when you've got four wins and over 50 starts and almost 30 seconds and thirds, you're doing something wrong. You can't be second and third that often and been the second or third best horse. And the biggest mistake he's making is he just rates everything. I mean, he rated a low speed in a turf race yesterday and a, a non-speed was a six bat that's horse wired the field. I don't know. Does it not occur to him that like people are taking advantage of him? Tough yeah, it's, he needs to be more aggressive or he's going to have to ride. Well, it is. And, and, and right, right. And and you wonder, you know, you wonder at times if some of the, and of course you and I could probably record for an hour on this topic alone, but you wonder sometimes if some of these guys that have become so passive when they do ride speed horses forwardly, if they, and they lose, if they become even more convinced that what they're doing originally is the right thing. And so you think about, you know, specifically on a day like today, Eric Cancel put two horses on the lead that both underperformed. I happened to bet both of them because I liked Happy Farm today. I thought he could be good enough back at Belmont. And I liked American Apple as well. He put both those horses on the lead. Cancel's a guy who generally doesn't ride forwardly. They both lost, but he did exactly the right thing. I so, I mean, I would tell him. I, I agree. American Apple's supposed to be on the lead. She wasn't going correct. that fast. Correct. Scr- with the scratch there. No, she was. She went 45 and two, which on a baked right. rock solid turf course is nothing. And she was second best. So, I mean, it just, you know, the distance got her. So, I mean, I hope that, that these things don't happen. And then they say, see, I mean, that's why I'm better off just, you know, taking back to make that one run because for the most part, you're not, you're not better off with that approach. You're better off being aggressive. Dylan Davis is not a bad rider. He's actually a good rider. And there are times in the last years where he's been terrific. Like what happened? Why has he gotten so passive? And Flavian Pratt just takes advantage of the passivity, and that's why he's riding so well. He's just there to take advantage of the passivity. He's there to go and let them let him walk on the front end with closers. Totally agree. And the race you referenced is one where Flavian ended up wiring it. And, uh, yeah, did so because Dylan was very passive coming out of the gate. And, you know, this colony desperately needs jockeys that look over and see a lot of grabbing and take advantage of it. So I, I hope that uh, – I hope that the commentator and every other race is running a, a what looks like a true type of fashion, at least on paper. We'll certainly keep tabs on Sheriff Bianco's participation as it will go a long way towards determining how this race unfolds. Everybody, of course, can keep tabs on you at uh, the Naira broadcast and America's Day at the races on uh, Monday afternoon on this Memorial Day, correct? Absolutely. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun day. I, I love these, these, these showcase cards. I really do. I, you know, you just sort of feel as though a lot of these horses are your friends after all these years. And there's some really fun matchups, and I'm looking forward to a lot. And obviously the last one commentator is going to be a really fun race. No, I agree. I mean, we had all those years with uh, with what, with Lou Bash and, and uh, the one that Tim Hill's strange, whose name escapes me at the moment. And um, they, were, they were a lot of fun. And, you know, we've had... I mean, I remember, I remember the first New York Red Showcase card. I think I handicapped the horse that I remember vividly was Thrayavine, who was a, a older female turf horse, and she won the whatever the mo the Philly version of the Mohawk is in the fall. Yeah. I don't remember, but yeah, they're fun. I mean, these cards are great. They're there, they, and you, as you said it perfectly, they do kind of become your friends. They become pet horses, no doubt about it. So we will be looking forward to it. Andy, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Uh, We'll make it a more regular thing now that we know how to get you recorded properly. Right. Now we know you can do it in my apartment, not at work. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Nick. Much. I appreciate you being on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And again, a big, a big thanks to the New York Thoroughbred readers. 
for their participation and their sponsorship. And we will be back with these shows for the New York Bread Card in Saratoga. I'll also do a New York Bread Award recap show that David Aragona and I did last year and had actually kind of uh, kind of fun with it. And then there'll be a fall version for the New York Showcase Day, which will be in the uh, in October coming up then. So again, thank you to all of you, the listeners. Rate, like, subscribe. All of our In The Money Plus members, we really appreciate your uh, participation. And until next time, best of luck.